It's like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke. With me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And you know what, Corey? Uh, this month is an interesting one. I really like this theme. Um, listeners, if you don't know, our theme is Originals, where Corey and I have seen the remake of a movie, but never the original before. So every movie we've picked this month is a movie that we've seen the remake and not its original. And again, sometimes that happens where like I've seen the movie, but Corey hasn't. For example, I've seen The Departed. Corey hasn't, but now she's seen Infernal Affairs. Um, this is the flip. Corey saw the 1993 film The Vanishing and uh, had not seen the 1988. I've seen neither. And that's what we're going to be talking about this episode when we get to our full review. But before we do that, Corey and I like to catch up, see how we've been, and then talk about what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded, which was my birthday one week ago, um, just a little over a week ago. And I've been back at work, and it's been crazy. Uh, but how has your week been, Corey? You know, um, I've been a little busy with work, and then, um, yeah. Well, you I, went, we, we recorded early last week because you were going canoeing? Uh, we were going to go to the river, and okay. then we ended up not doing that because I didn't feel so hot. Oh, okay. So, we, um, I actually didn't know, when Bill and I first moved here, like, we moved here 10 years ago. This November will be 10 years. Holy shit, I'm getting old. But um, when I, like, think about that number, I'm just, it blows my mind. Um, yeah. I, so probably, like, eight or nine years ago, we discovered the Soul Food Fest, hmm. which is, it, it used to be held in one of our big parks downtown. Um, and if you guys have watched Parks and Recreation, Idaho is pretty much just one big public park. But anyway, um it um and we enjoyed it and then it went away for a while because i guess it just wasn't making enough money to be sustainable blah 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 blah. so we ended up finding out this year that it was at the park that's like two blocks away from our house so we decided wow. to give it a well it's i think it's ran by different people or a different organization now but um we decided to go since it was so close uh last year was a night it wasn't good at all. They ran out of food like a couple hours after opening. I just don't think they knew what they were to expect. But this year it was like super good. So we kind of swapped around our weekend a little bit to accommodate that. Okay. And the food was very delicious. And I've decided that I'm going to learn how to make the very best homemade from scratch peach cobbler ever. So everyone get ready to put on your stretchy pants. Oh. <laughs> I like baking a lot but um and then peach is yeah. the best of the cobblers like of all the different types of fruit that goes in the cobblers i make really good berry cobbler but um like growing up my dad always made peach cobbler and it is my favorite it's my personal favorite are you a breadcrumb type of topping or more of like a pie type topping on your on your uh cobbler you know that's really i don't know oh. um i never learned how to make my dad's cobbler because he doesn't measure anything ah and i'm not that kind of baker no that's not baker. baker. that's that's baking is supposed to be an exact science as it's I like a chemistry 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, my dad's like in his fifties and he's been making it since he was a kid. So he just kind of has a feel for it and he Mm -hmm. could just mix, you know, so he would try to teach me, but I, you know, that just didn't work out. But, um, so we kind of rearranged our weekend to accommodate that. And then, um, we went to the movies on Friday and then it works on Sundays. So I chilled at home and cleaned and all that stuff. But yeah. How about you? How was your weekend? the, The week has been pretty good. Um, we are first week back to school. So, uh, you know, meeting my new students is always exciting. And of course, um, four of my six classes are not new students. They're returning students. And so, uh, some of them, some of the classes, like my yearbook class, I have some new, but a lot of them are returning. So, and some of them I've had for four years. Uh, so this, this year is going to be real tough. Um, a student I've had for four years who I also taught her older brother, her oldest brother and her middle brother. Um, so this, she's the last one. I am extremely close with all of them. Um, and she is, uh, in three of my classes this year of her six, I have her for film, um, who I've had, she's been in all my film classes uh, for four years. Uh, she's been in yearbook for three years and she's my senior editor this year. Um, and she's my intern. So we have a, a, it's like a teacher's aide. Um, and she's basically my assistant anyway. So it'll be really hard when she's gone for that reason. Cause she, I know I can say something and she knows exactly what I need her to do. She, like she knows where all of my stuff is. Um, she has a spot at the end of my teacher desk that like the students know is like her spot. So next year she'll be gone. Um, not completely. Cause again, I'm, I'm, I'm still very close with her oldest brother. I'm close with her middle brother. She's not going to be gone, gone, but she won't be in my classroom anymore and it will be noticeable. So this year is like especially it's so funny because everyone knows her again i'm very close with her whole family at this point so um but like i told kathy we were driving somewhere and kathy knows is also close with the oldest brother and the middle brother um and uh, i was like well karina's the senior editor she's like how she's not a senior i'm like yes she is (laughs) she's like no way like she just can't believe it's already that time because you know it's already four years have, have gone by and then I was talking to uh, one of my coworkers who knows um, them as well, and uh, I was like, "Well, Karina's the editor," and he's like, "How is she the editor?" I'm like, yeah. "She's a senior, guys. Like, it's happening. It's it's now." Um, but yeah, it's so th- it's a bittersweet beginning because I, you know, she's going to most likely pursue either film or journalism as a career. I think we're leaning towards communications at this point, um, but she is. Uh, very important part of my day-to-day routine so it is it's it's sad that it's we know this is our last year in the same scenarios that we've been in for for so many um it was funny because her freshman year um i had another student who was very much similar i always have one or two kind of become like this is their home they live in my classroom and they are my assistant they help out they know everything um and when that student graduated her freshman year like the next day karina I didn't mean to use her name, but I did. But Karina was in her seat. Like the, she was just like, this is mine and has never left that spot. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's the benefit of what I teach. I get to have my students multiple times. It's, it's, so, uh, it's, it's always hard. And this year I have, um, for my senior group, I have a solid 16 kids that I've had all four years. So see the graduation is going to be heartbreaking and inspiring, but heartbreaking. So, um, that alone, and then this week has been really tough, um, with the shootings that happened, uh, the mass shootings that happened a few weeks ago, it has all, all education is on a high alert, um, mm. 
and we're we're all a little on edge and so that's been you know in the forefront like all the drills we have to talk about like in the event and it's it's always horrifying to have to have that conversation um but with the the hostility in the culture right now like not our school's culture just like the the united states culture there's so much fear and so much hatred being brought up and discussed that talking about like in the event of a shooting here's what we do feels darker than it's ever felt and it's never felt lighthearted or anything but it it feels too real for some reason like to me this year so it's been it's been a week uh i was very much ready for the weekend um looking forward to monday though and, and again I, I love what i do i love getting to talk about movies with with my students and um you know i i love seeing like who sticks with the program because like their first year uh you never know who's really gonna bite on what i'm selling and then seeing them come back and how it changes the room um because the ones who didn't bite who were like maybe they were there and they weren't necessarily causing trouble but they weren't 100 percent on board now that they're out of the room like the uh the atmosphere just like heightens and there's this level of excitement and enthusiasm that just is infectious and so uh i I act like this has been a really tough week. It's been a really good week, too. I've had some really great moments already with my students, and we're all really... We're getting ready to start, like, getting into film studies and starting to make movies and stuff. So we're getting... Like, we're gearing up. The first week is all introduction stuff and, you know, going over policies and all that. So next week will be when we really get into curriculum. And I am by far the most organized I've ever been as a teacher because I've invested the last three years of my life to, uh, to film so much that I am more prepared than I've ever been. Like, I know movies way better. I know exactly what I'm showing them, uh, what I want to talk about, and I know how to talk about film at a level uh, that I didn't when I started teaching this. And part of that is because of this podcast. Um, Because, you know, I have to talk about a movie every week, and I got to be able to fill time. So it helps. Um, But, yeah, otherwise, pretty good. And, you know... um, had a, a good night uh, with my daughter last time my wife had to work a double because uh, they, they have some transition stuff happening at their at her job so she's having to cover more shifts than she normally does so um my daughter and i got uh hibachi takeout which um Ooh. i found out that the hibachi will let me not get rice and get double vegetables i don't know if i had that discovery when we recorded last night i don't think so but it's made it like my favorite thing in the world because i can get a lot of chicken and shrimp and then a lot of vegetables for like cheap and it's still like not a lot of calories it's a little bit of carbs because of the the sauce but it's still not as bad as a lot of other sauces and so it's like my favorite thing and my daughter got some sushi which i can't eat which makes me sad um because of all the carbs but uh then we we, um we watched our movie club movie together um last night for dinner and it was her idea and i'll talk about that when we get to our movie but for now let's talk about what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded uh you want to go first yes what have you seen? I actually have a lot, guys. <clears throat> so, get comfortable. Um, I watched... Why? <laughs> I watched nothing. Uh, yeah, there were no things watched. Um, I am kind of... My brain just kind of went down the drain. Mm, that stinks. Uh, okay, so we'll go back to that letterbox.com. one. Stab it. Stab it. Um, so I watched Evil Genius, which is like that four-part documentary on Netflix. Okay. Which is nuts. Um, went to the theaters to see Scary Stories. <laughs> That's what we saw on Friday. 
How did you feel about that? Because you were really excited about that. So, it is hard. I feel like it's so hard um, to go in and make a film about something that so many people love so much. Like, a lot of people love those books. I can't even tell you how many times I've read the books, and I'm almost done rereading them again. And I have definitely read them at least once or twice, you know, in my adult life. Um, So it's not just like a, oh, I, you know. Um, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I I might go again if my friend wants to see it, because I saw it with Bill. I thought that the effects were really good. I thought that everyone did a good job, like, acting. Um, And I thought that they did a good job like keeping it creepy and not like trying to dumb it down and make it a kid's film if that makes sense like they still kept it pretty gory um which the books are considered children's books but they're they don't hold back in some of the stories you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i was glad that they still kept that um i didn't love it as much as i love the books though and that i have not read the books um I also saw this movie. Uh, that'll be on my... I, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there now. I saw it as well. Um, I saw it with uh, editor for BrookReviews.com, uh, David, who had read the books and was a fan. Um, and he was pretty happy with them. Um, the movie. Especially, he was really, really into the character design. He just loved the way the characters look. The, the creatures. And, and I love the time period that it's set in. I loved, I guess, like, the whole... I guess the vehicle they move through the stories with also like mm. the framing device want... of all the the connective tissue between the short stories yes like i think they did a really good job in it it i just don't love it as much as i love the books well i i think the self-containment of the stories probably helps in a way um i didn't like that they crammed the richard nixon vietnam stuff into this movie like because it feels like they don't really have anything to say about it like there's something there but it doesn't come to fruition in a way that's meaningful and thus it just feels like weird filler like okay yeah Nixon's about to win and he's a liar and so you need to tell your truth in order for your story to make sense like whatever like it doesn't you don't do a solid enough job of making that like statement yeah and I didn't know if they were trying to use that to kind of date the movie too um you know, yeah, I don't know. for sure. But I mean, they they tell us when it is right away, and you can't you can't again. You have to assume everything in a film is by design and by intention. So, mm-hmm. what is what is the purpose? And when I ask that question, I, I assume there's some kind of political statement. Maybe it's an allegory for what's happening now. Yes. Um, but it it, it doesn't feel like it really is developed enough to have that that powerful impact that it could have had because i think you could have leaned into it a little more you could have made it a more centerpiece i mean you have the one character who is a draft dodger which i won't say who so that is not a spoiler um and so that uh, it's not bad again i i liked the movie but i had some issues with it and that was one of them it's just like that this feels a little ham-fisted like do something different yeah yeah um i also we talked about this kind of recently and i expressed my love for it so um i watched terms of endearment oh yes bawled my eyes out i stayed up until like two o'clock in the morning friday night i think watching that and then as if that wasn't 
enough torture for my little heart. I had to go back and watch Evening Star the next day. So I was just crying all weekend. Gotcha. <laughs> um, I, I went to the theaters and I saw Crawl. Yes. And I went to a late night show actually by myself for that one. Um, that's why I ended up watching Finishing Terms of Endearment at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I watched Halloween 2018. Okay. A a Shutter exclusive, I think. Um, Witch in the Window. I enjoyed it. I went to the theaters with my friend on Monday and saw the special Bruce Springsteen fan edition of Blinded oh, by the Lights. I cannot wait to see that movie this weekend. I can. I wanted to see it last night. They didn't do a Thursday screening, and that bummed <sighs> me out. And then I ended up not. I. I I forgot to fit movie club early in the week, so I, like I was like trying to figure out if I was gonna have time to watch it like today. But I ended up choosing to not go to the theater last night and watching it last night to make sure um, that I had it because I was worried I was gonna get wrapped up with stuff today. And I could have fit it in, but it would have been tighter than I like to to push it. So I have yet to see any of the five new movies that came out this weekend. Um, but Blinded by the Light is my priority. I I am so excited for that. Uh, I just actually, while you were talking, I was scrolling through Twitter and saw the conversation you and Big Tuna had. <laughs> so I, I knew you liked it. Uh, I didn't know oh, you'd no. seen it, though. But... I love it. Yeah. And my friend loved it, too. It just, I, it is that movie that I was hoping it was going to be for me this That's year. That's what I, I, since I heard about it, I'm like, this sounds like it is so up my alley. And I showed the trailer to my film uh, three students yesterday. Um, and they were like, I showed them Sing Street a few years ago. We watched Sing Street, and they were like, "This it it has a similar vibe to Sing Street." And they they're like, "It totally seems like you're gonna be all over that movie." I'm like, "Yeah, it is. It is like made for my what clicks for me with story and how like art inspires and how art can be the gateway." It it just just what I've seen in the trailer. I'm like, "This movie is made for me," and I cannot wait to see it. And I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to spoil it for anyone, but what was that movie that we watched with Tim Roth and oh god, we both hated oh, it and it was um, on Criterion. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I and um, oh my god, god why can't I think of his name? Um, Commissioner Gordon, <laughs> Gary Oldman. Um, I could not think of his name. I can't remember the name. Meantime. 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 So I think that Minded by the Light does a really good job, like making things. Like, it's not just throwing around a lot of slang and stuff. I think it does mm. a really good job helping us, like, understand and be, like, wrapped up in the time period that it's taking place in. Um, and then I also, there's a new show on Shudder called Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Um, mm. That has, oh my god, Zachary Quinto in it. Oh, cool. Is he um, playing a vampire? Yeah, he's, he's a villain. That's cool. Uh, yeah, so I watched the first episode and it's pretty interesting. And they are oh god, don't don't streaming services know that the reason why we like streaming services is so we can binge all at once. But no, they're releasing one episode every Thursday. So today on my lunch, I started watching the second episode. It seems pretty, it's pretty interesting. I like but, him. He he's done some real crap stuff, but uh, I totally see him like just thinking of Nosferatu. If it, do they keep the character design similar to the the classic? Not to not to that. Mm -mm. Oh, because I I think he would look cool with that kind of look, you know, like the the mm -hmm. rat look. Like I think he's kind of got the right build for that. I can see it. Like, man, um, 
I, I didn't know that was happening, but that sounds compelling. I might have to check that out. Was there was, was that it? Because, I mean, that was uh, a lot. I don't mean to make it sound dismissive. I'm just... Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, I thought you were going to be impressed. I can't remember what it was called, but I put long shot, but that's not correct. So, hmm. it was something on Netflix, but what was that's it? all I got. I, I can't remember. I'm... I was going to say, well, like I can probably guess what it's called. They're not guess, but I can probably... Usually I know things um, that I haven't seen. But, all right, so I've... Uh, I've been f- talking about this pod- other podcast, not the one I do, but the one I listen to uh, almost obsessively, the Blank Check podcast with Griffin and David. Um, they are currently doing the How's Miyazaki um, miniseries, and so finally I'm forcing myself to get through m- more of the Studio Ghibli stuff. Not that I don't want to, because I love Spirited Away so much, and then I am a big fan of My Neighbor Totoro. Um I've now watched Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind, which I watched before when we recorded, and now uh, I watched his first directorial debut, which I didn't know was not an original property. It's called Lupin the Third, The Castle of Cal- Cagliostro uh, from 1979. Oh, Corey, I love this movie. It's so good, and I'm not a big anime guy, but th- and this is more Lupin is a traditional anime type character, but he's a gentleman thief, um, and man, oh. It it's so great. It's it's funny. It's action packed. Uh, I loved it like every step of the way. It's just super awesome. Um, I had to buy it on Amazon. Um, I'm glad I did buy it. I was about to rent it because I think it was like three bucks to rent. It was ten to buy. I'm like, you know, what? I'm just gonna go ahead and buy it. And I'm so glad I did because I love it. I definitely will rewatch it. Um, I've I'm looking forward. I'm gonna be watching Castle in the Sky because that's the next one up. And then I've got. Uh, I bought this box set for all the ones I didn't have on Blu-ray, but I, I'm going to be hitting through the Studio Ghibli stuff. I can't wait. Um, I saw Scary Stories, as I mentioned, but so with that Blank Check podcast in mind, I'm also watching, I'm like going through back episodes, and I just got to Brad Bird, and so there's a movie that's been on my gap list forever called The Iron Giant, which I'm sure many of you have seen and heard. I've never saw it. Um, Corey, have you seen it? Iron Giant? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it since high school, but okay. Well, I have never seen it until the other day, and I did not really care to watch it. I never felt compelled to see it. It came out in 99 when I was too cool for cartoons. Um, I definitely, at that time, had an attitude that cartoons were for kids. I no longer feel that way. Um, I think some cartoons are for kids, and some cartoons are, are definitely geared for a bit different audience. I was blown away by the iron giant um i got emotionally invested i teared up um Mm. really really love it and uh brad bird um i've get one of the things i love about blank check is they go real deep on the details and like the the history and i've learned a lot about brad bird i've already listened i've seen all of his other films except for his most kind of reviled film the uh the george clooney tomorrowland movie Um, oh i haven't seen that but uh, he did Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. He made Incredibles, Ratatouille, Incredibles 2. He's got a small filmography, but uh, his history is intense. And um, learning about the Iron Giant was really cool, too. So just if you're a fan of podcasts and if you're listening to this, you must be. Uh, I can't recommend enough Blank Check Podcast. I love it. It is the most obsessed I've been with a podcast, I think, ever. And I've listened to Doug Love's movies for, like, six years now. Um like religiously i don't miss an episode i've been i've seen doug loves movies live several times um 
but I Blank Check is I think my favorite podcast to date. So, um, that said, I saw The Kitchen, uh, which is based on a DC Comics oh, yeah. Vertigo property with Melissa McCarthy, Elizabeth Moss, and um, Tiffany Haddish. Uh, it, it's a mess. It's pretty bad. Uh, it's an interesting premise and just poorly, poorly, poorly executed in almost every way. Uh, super disappointing. Um, I watched a documentary of uh, David Crosby, Remember My Name. Um, I believe it premiered at, uh, at Sundance this year. It's out in limited release um, all over the country right now. Uh, really, really great documentary. I am not a David Crosby fan. I was not a fan of Crosby, Sills, Nash & Young or Crosby, Sills & Nash or The Birds. I think that was the band he was in. Um, not that I'm not a fan, I guess. I just never listened to any of it. Um, but it was such a compelling and candid look at his life. Um, I was really impressed that he was willing to be so open about a lot of stuff. And I found it super, super good, uh, while watching it. Um, I teared up at points too, because even again, I have no attachment to the guy, but just to the choices he's made and the, the problems, the re regret and remorse, it's hard to not empathize. Um, I watched The Vanishing, which we'll talk about in a few seconds. And tonight, right before we recorded, from my daughter's first time, and my, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie, uh, we watched Clueless. And it's one of those movies where, like, I was watching her more than I was watching the movie because I wanted to see her react <laughs> to stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, she, she reacted awesomely and was really into it. Uh, so much so that she asked, she had to use the bathroom a couple times, like, drinking soda um and she was like can we pause it i'm like of course i've seen this i don't need to you know i don't mind um so she liked it enough that she didn't want to miss anything and that's always a good sign because teenagers now i find a lot of times like they miss a lot and they don't know they're missing stuff you know they're on their phone or whatever um here she was very into the movie and she started analyzing share about three quarters of the way through and explaining why she loved share despite her initial hesitation that she was shallow and and not good and i was i was really proud i, I also want to brag about my kid for a second um she's taking two college classes and she's a sophomore oh but she's taking two college classes which means she has two free periods at the high school and um so she comes to my room when she's not in the when she, cause she doesn't have a class to go to so she comes to me and she works on her college stuff on my in my computer lab and uh yesterday for uh sixth period we were doing trivia because it's the first week we're just kind of loosening up getting back into thinking about movies so i have a bunch of movie trivia questions and so they're all in groups competing but my daughter who's not in the class decides she's going to join in the trivia but just be like by herself defeated everybody by oh. a lot like so many points and i was just like and they're 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 not mad but they're also like well of course and i'm like look she's not inherently like me but I am glad to see that she <laughs> can answer all these questions without any uh, hesitation. Because um, she crushed. Uh, and I was very proud of her. So, little brag. Um, she's a little, she's not as nerdy with movies as I am. But there's a movie nerd inside of her. So, I want to talk about this movie, Corey. Mm. You ready? Yes. Alright, so, let's do the stats. Listeners, The Vanishing from 1988. Um, it is a, I believe, Norwegian film, but it's also in France. 
Uh, so I believe both languages are used, although to be completely honest, and an American and with myself, I could not tell the difference because I don't know either of those languages at all, um, except I, a couple of words that I'm like, that's French. I know that was French. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry. Well, oh, go ahead. Oh, I believe it's Dutch, and some of it takes place in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. and then some takes place in France, and I didn't... I guess I just didn't realize that they had gone to France. I don't you know. You are correct. It is Dutch. I, I'm, again, I'm oh, sadly stop. American. And uh, <laughs> um, proving it each step of the way. But it's directed by George Sluzer. Sluzer? Sluzer? Yeah, I think Sluzier? so. I don't know. Well, the I's before the Z, so I don't think it's Sluzier. Oh. Um, I think it's Sluzer. Um, he also directed the 1993 version of this movie that Corey saw and was the, uh, the motivation for picking this film. Um, I watched it on... I had to do a free trial of the Criterion channel um, and watched it on that with my daughter um, at her suggestion, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, the plot synopsis is Rex, Rex and Saskia, a young couple in love, are on vacation. They stop at a busy service station and Saskia is abducted. After three years and no sign of Saskia... Rex begins receiving letters from the abductor. Um, postcards, to be more exact. Uh, Bernard Pierre Dondeo is Raymond Lamorne, who is uh, one character. Uh, Jean Bervotes is Rex Hoffman. Uh, Johanna Tur Siege is Saskia. And that's really the characters. There's one other character who has like a speaking role, but I don't even. No other actors have pictures on IMDb, so I'm going to leave it at that. Um, okay, okay, I, I usually let you go first. I'm going to go first, because you picked this movie, and I'm going to go first. Okay. Okay. I had not seen the 1993 version of this movie. I had never heard of either one of them, did not know they existed. And keep in mind, the American version of this film stars Jeff Daniels. Not Jeff Daniels. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Daniels would be very weird in that role. Jeff Bridges, um, Kiefer Sutherland, and Sandra Bullock, who I've seen many of her films and, and had Nancy no clue. Travis and Nancy Travis who apparently I don't care about because I did not <laughs> remember that one but I've not seen either um, I watched this with my daughter and I freaking love this movie like so much I was into every element of it I love the structure I love the cinematography in this movie uh, more like even more so than the cinematography the camera compositions and the placement I was just floored and in love with some of the, the the long shots that they decide to keep. There's really interesting perspectives, um, and the performances are solid. Now it, it does. It's a foreign 1988 film, so it feels even older. And I think by American standards, you know, like a lot of other like styles and things are always a little behind with American styles. So it feels a little older than 88, in my opinion. Um, there's some interesting things going on with the Tour de France as like it's referenced and you hear like uh, commentary on a radio a few times. I just, I can't wait to get to spoilers because I, I don't feel like there's, I don't know what you would consider a spoiler with this movie because even the plot synopsis I read and even the title, I guess, and to a degree, you know what is going to happen, but it's how things happen, how things are played out, the way the story reveals certain details it's so interesting. It's so unique. Um, the only I watched uh, the Criterion Channel had some special features. Um, oh. And the the only one I watched was a two and a half minute interview with Bill Hader, um, 
talking about this movie because I guess like uh, he was they do like random interviews like what's a movie on the Criterion Closet that you like and it wasn't the Criterion Closet where he picked one but it was him sitting with like the president of the Criterion Collection or something um, and him just talking about why he loves this movie and so I had to hear because I love Bill Hader so I was like I gotta hear what he says about this movie and he was just saying things that I was thinking and I'm just like I completely agree I am so floored but the one thing he said that I didn't initially make the comparison and I, I kind of wish I had is the Hitchcock style of suspense that this movie executes, which is mm-hmm. why I think it clicked with me so much. Um, I am a big Hitchcock fan. I hate saying that because it's so pretentious. Uh, everyone's a Hitchcock fan. Why is if somebody is if, is good at their craft? You're I... right. You're right. But that's I guess that's just it. It's like well, yeah. It's like saying you like oxygen because it lets you live. If you like that movies, doesn't... Hitchcock. But Hitchcock is a master. Like there is. I've never heard anyone make an argument that Hitchcock wasn't a great filmmaker. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. but I, I don't feel like that discounts you for right. I, saying I just, it. It's just, I guess, it's more of like the obvious thing. It's like a film, a college student saying that they love Pulp Fiction. It's like, yeah, of course. You know, it, it's again, it's it's a given. It's a gimme. And yet, I, I man, I, I I told my students about this movie today because I'm like, you guys, if you get a way to watch this, it, it's it's so cool it's so unique it's really dark and that's mm. where i was a little surprised um that you picked this because unless there is a, tra- a dramatic difference in the american version this does have that fatalistic kind of thing like the noirs have this I is not a like. noir but you don't like so i was like did she like the american version and does she like this version so like. What do you, what are your thoughts, Corey? Do you, do you like uh, the vanishing from '88? Um, I just would rather get into spoilers because. But I mean, I liked it. Like I don't. It. I liked it. I don't like it as much as the American one, which is not a popular opinion. But there we are talking about the ending. Um, oh, okay. So, I did have a hard time with this ending, but I do think that it's the more realistic ending. It was. Without spoiling anything, folks, the ending shook me to my core. Um, yeah. And I, 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 w- I almost wanted to ask Taylor if she wanted to be on this episode. She's never done that. But she was definitely into this movie. Um, and again, that it, been fun. it was really cool because um, I think she's gotten the... She hasn't been coming to the theater as much as she used to. She used to be, like, my normal movie buddy, and she's been less and less. So, like, the last two nights we've watched a movie together at dinner. Um, like, we got takeout and sat together and watched the movie because my wife cl- closed both nights. Um, and it's been really great. Like, it's, I've really, really enjoyed because uh, it, it feels she's growing up, and I know these moments are getting fewer, uh, not to get sad, but... I wasn't sure what we were getting into. I was really scared <laughs> because of the the premise of the film. I was like, please don't have a rape sequence in it. Um, it doesn't, folks. Uh, so good good on that. Um, but, uh, man, she she also really uh, was was shocked at the ending, too. And, yeah, I, I'm. this is a movie where I feel like going into spoilers quickly is necessary. So, listeners, yeah. um, before Corey gives you the warning... I watched this on the Criterion channel. It is available to rent on Amazon, though, so you don't have to get the whole other streaming service. Um, it it was not on Vudu though to buy or rent, and it is on it is there is a Criterion Blu-ray which I will be getting at the first Criterion sale that comes next because November. I I freaking love this movie and I will totally be teaching this at some point 
it is excellent um it is dark but i i was so taken by this film and this is one i'd never heard of i've never heard this discussed or talked See, about um and I, it's baffling you know so my grandmother we watched a lot of movies when i was a kid and i feel like i saw the 1993 version i was i was pretty young um with her i I just keep feeling like it was her but i was like really young so i'm having Mm -hmm. a hard time remembering but yeah i just would like to get into spoilers all right so Corey, guys from here on out we're going to talk about 1988's vanishing in great detail you've been warned see i'm looking up i want to watch the the 93 one now it is on Vudu, but it is expensive. It's fifteen much bucks it? to buy. Holy hell! Or it, four bucks to rent. It kills me. I feel like we should just see if we can find a DVD version of it. Um, because it kills me when like I don't like buying a lot of physical media except for records, but like not buying a lot of movies and stuff like hard copies because I just don't want to take up the space. But yeah. then it's like you find the like an actual physical version for way cheaper than the digital, and it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, what, what digital. I would hope with the Blu-ray, I haven't looked at the Criterion Blu-ray, but I would I would love for them to include both versions since it's the same director, because that's not the norm. Like it doesn't happen often where the American remake <laughs> has the same filmmaker, and yeah. especially because this one, I'm like I'm looking at the vo- at Voodoo right now, and the first review is Roger Ebert. Um, for the 93 version and he says the first movie was existential and it's merciless unfolding this one turns into a slasher movie with a cheap joke at the end so yeah. ebert's not on not a fan um and i don't know what happened uh i'm okay if you spoil the american version because i feel like i've seen the original version and that's probably what the ending's supposed to be so yeah. do you remember how it, the the 93 american version ends and heads up listener we are going to probably spoil um, th- that movie right now as well. Unless Corey does not remember it, I didn't give her a chance to. Answer. No, I do remember, okay. but I did. So when I was watching this movie, it's been a while since I've watched the '93 version, and I just didn't remember them fleshing out the killer as much in that movie. But because I feel like they really, really painted a picture of him, and I do feel like he's much more terrifying in this version or in this the original but um apparently they did but no the also, ending is can, way can, we, can i interrupt for one second because i am yeah. i'm also curious which one is the villain is it is it uh daniels not daniels dang it bridges yeah, it's bridges okay i kind of see that because i feel like uh Kiefer sutherland was the villain in that eye for an eye movie that we watched the sally field film and oh yeah um I feel like he's more likely to be the villain, but given how the villain played out in this movie, in the the 88 version, I thought uh, Bridges would be the more likely because he seems more wholesome and normal to me than than Sutherland does. Because like, I think of Sutherland, I think of like um, Lost, Lost Boys, Boys <laughs> or I think of yeah. uh, even 24, where yes, he's technically the good guy, but he's oh, still yeah. like, he's a tough guy. And then I think of like Eye for an Eye, which was a horrible movie, but his villainous nature in that film is so despicable you know so he's he's the more logical uh to be the villain but because of how this villain has this kind of it's like not who he really is but it is you know it's like the second personality yeah but i mean when you look at like 
some serial killers, I don't want to say that were, like, successful, no. but that were able to do what they did for such a long time. Ted Bundy is a great example. Oh, my God. BTK. Like, which is one of the more recent ones. They're, they always have, like, this big, fleshed out, like, you know, uh, I don't even know what word, facade? Mm-hmm. Uh, of a life that covers them so that they can continue doing this for a long time. And I, um, but back to the ending of the American version, um, it, he, it's Sandra Bullock who is kidnapped. And so I felt like they like showed a broader pic, showed more of him being obsessive and like looking for her in the American version and he's dating Nancy Travis and then they kind of break up but then uh, the killer comes to his apartment and lures him that way but Nancy Travis swoops in and oh. she en- ends up figuring out how that he that Kiefer Sutherland's character is with this professor and she goes and is able to save him and they I'm pretty sure they kill the professor so it's it's not a likely story, but do I prefer the ending? Yes, I do. <laughs> I, we, I don't. Did, it's just. Uh, did go we ahead. say what the ending was already? Um. Yeah. That, it, that he still goes with the professor to find out what happened to her, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that he gets drugged and stuff too. But Nancy Travis's character ends up figuring out that he is with this guy. So she's able to save Kiefer Sutherland. See, that's that's kind of a that's a cop out happy ending. Yeah, but I mean, I I I don't know. I you, you knew when you watched this. That yeah, I, was, I did. I think that, I even said to Taylor, I'm like, I can't believe Corey likes this because she doesn't like unhappy endings. In fact, I think I've used you as an example with talking to my film students, like my new students, that. Um, some things work for some people and some things don't like i really like noir stuff because i i find the negative endings to be compelling while you see that as there's enough negativity in the real world i don't want that in my movies and we're both right for those opinions but it's why we are always at odds when we talk about that type of movie and this movie while not a noir it definitely has that fatalistic uh you know the bad guy wins in this and he wins in such a horrifying way that we have not said right we have not said how this movie ends how the 1988 film ends so when it cuts to him burying something and you're like for a second because you don't even see his head you just see like him halfway in the grave and him like scooping dirt and you're like what is he doing and then it cuts to inside the coffin and I'm like Oh my god, he's being buried alive! And Taylor was also like, is he burying him alive? I'm like, yes! This is a freaking nightmare! <laughs> like, like my chest was hurting. Like, yes. I was having a hard time breathing. Um, I'm looking at it as a filmmaker, too. I'm like, how did he shoot this? This is so insane. Like, because the, the camera changes angles, like, four times in the casket. It's nuts. Like, I don't know how they did it. It's so freaking good. It's so intense. It's so horrifying. And it just cuts to it. There's no real buildup. Like, he, he's passed out from the, the medication. Cut to guy being buried. Cut to in casket waking up. And that's it. That's the freaking movie. And oh my god, that is such a powerful ending. I'm sorry well, if I'm blowing out the microphone, by the way. But I... 
freaking love this movie. I was so well, insanely in love with what happens. Like, just, it's nuts. Just that, oh my god, it, I'm about to drop the F-bomb. It, it <laughs> is so, oh my god, I'm trying to stop myself. And I'm having a hard time breathing. I, it just kills me because it, it could be true. Like, yeah, oh, it's a nightmare of a movie like, because of that. Do you, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like, I read a lot of like true crime. I read, you know what I mean? So, so the way the, the plot structure of this movie that we are, we start with <sighs> this very dark driving in a, into a tunnel. And then it looks like that's where she's going to get abducted. Right. Cause he leaves yeah, her that, in the car. I was like, Whoa, this is really different. Yeah, and and he, also, I was just thinking that he's such an asshole, yes. and I just fucking hated him, and I wanted to cut him through the screen. Like, I just couldn't <laughs> believe, Excuse you me. know. Yeah, that... and that's, I think, all the more reason why he feels so much guilt for her actual abduction is because he had made that choice to be the asshole there, and he has to, like, redeem himself, and then he's trying, and then she's just gone. Um, so all that happens in like 15 minutes they go to a gas station she goes inside to get a couple drinks she never comes back he goes crazy some of those scenes are a little too melodramatic and I'm like dude what are you doing like you would not be missing her right there like he's like walking around the gas pumps I'm like dude you could see her if she were here go somewhere else you're wasting everyone's time but aside from that I have no no qualms with this movie but we see we see the um, Raymond I think this is the guy's name right um putting the fake cast on and like putting the bottle in his arm and you know like he's the he's the kidnapper like if you one the name of the movie is the vanishing but two I did read the synopsis before watching it so I knew she was going to be kidnapped and I'm like okay he's clearly the kidnapper we don't see the, the abduction though which I love that choice that we don't initially see how he gets her just that she's gone I love that then we cut away from Rex to Raymond and his family and that creepy scene where he gets his daughters to yell which at first isn't creepy it's only creepy when he asks his neighbor if he heard the screaming and you're like oh god he's planning something and then we see him driving in the hitchhiker and you're like oh my god he's gonna get another person but then luckily for the hitchhiker her boyfriend pops up and is like ha, we got you and he's like ha, false pretenses bitches and he leaves them right like and so you're like, this guy's evil as hell. He's picking up girls. But then it's revealed that this was all before he gets Saskia. This was him making plans and arranging things. We see him Practicing. testing the chloroform and timing it. And you're just like, what is happening? And then the more we get from the character as the film goes on, we see that he's a normal family man. And then when we're told the motivation that he he saved this little girl from drowning, which I still question if she was drowning. It maybe it's yeah, the child did. actor she looked fine to me <laughs> she didn't look like she was drowning at all um but that his daughter was so proud of him he wanted to know if he could uh be evil like if he's able like if is he really a hero or is he capable of this evil act and then when rex asked him if he killed her and he said i did far worse or something along those lines i was i thought the implication was that he raped her yeah. But when we see that he buries Rex alive, I think he buried her alive. And yeah. that's what he did. And that's what he meant. It was worse. I didn't kill her. I put her in a room or a space where she would definitely die. 
but she would be alive and aware of the fact that she was dying and there was nothing she could do about it which is i think far more horrifying than just death this yeah. long inevitable death that you have to sit and suffer through every second of and just ah being so aware i don't even know how long you would survive with that little oxygen mm. I don't you know, know. And, and with the lighter on, I'm like, dude, you got to put the lighter out because you're burning up your oxygen. Like, yes, I didn't I didn't know where that ending was going. Like, I I just really didn't know. But and then when they well, so while I'm watching it, my my gut is I, I of course, want a happy ending. Like, I, I'm not a sicko. Like, I want the heroes to succeed. Like, I want him to break out. I want Saskia to be alive. Like, I wanted him to find out. I was even, like, it's such one of those things where I would have rather her have been, like, Stockholm Syndrome alive yeah. and, like, loving him than to be dead because that's, that's, maybe you well, can save her. Maybe you can rescue her. But there's no hope if she's dead. <sighs> and so while while it's in the casket, I'm like, okay, I want him to break out. I'm trying to figure out how, how can you make this work and it be believable? And not feel like, you know, deus ex machina or not feel a cliche. And at the same time, because of that, I'm also hoping that I hope it cuts to black. I hope the freaking credits roll. I hope this is it because nothing I could think of would be satisfying because it, he made a vital mistake in the chess match. He let his opponent have the upper hand. You don't do that. But he already knew what was going to happen. I know. He... He and he, said, I think, wanted it because he he was done. Remember, the dream is important. The Saskia's golden egg dream and then him having that dream as well, they were going to collide in space. They both had to die because they'll meet up again in heaven. That's the implication of the dream. And so he was, I think he knew, I agree, I think he definitely knew he couldn't trust the guy. But Well, he's, he said, so if she died, I'm going to have to die. And then he took it anyway. Yeah. Like, But because... I, he wants to be with her like and you see that with the relationship and and that poor girl who got involved with him in the first place i can't even i kind of wish we saw how they met because i can't imagine the scenario in which he was normal enough to like start a new relationship um based on what we see like he's got the map and he's got all the little posters like when was he not doing that where she was like hey this seems like a guy i could you know date seriously but nonetheless good for her for trying to help him but he's so cold to her and so mean to her um, because of he's not over Saskia. But, yeah, I, don't, I, I think he was suicidal but unwilling to kill himself. Um, but at least okay. he knows, in a dark way, he knows that the, she was dead. She was murdered. And uh, What is that going to do for your 30 minutes of life? I, I just... I don't know. And then that he's like, he moves. It's, so that's why I was a little bit confused because we see him buried. Mm -hmm. And then we see in front of this like big house in the country. Yeah. And we see his daughter, but his daughter looks a little like Saskia to me. So I was a little confused mm. at that part. And then it cuts to his, the back of his car and it has like that newspaper and it has both of their pictures. Yep. And it's like, and that fades, yeah strange double whatever disappearance. yeah disappearance and then it like just blacks out everything but their photos i just uh... no i mean because um 
I th- the implication is too that the house that they're at is where they're buried too. Yeah, he yeah. pulled. He moved his family there, which I that was the house that was empty that he was like practicing at and Correct. stuff, right? That he was remodeling. And, that was his excuse because that everyone kept asking him if he was having an affair. Um, and that his daughter said it would be okay because well, you're at that age now. Remember five to seven though. Uh, the, oh yeah, yeah. That's that culturally it's not uncommon for that to happen, and that's what I think she was implying. It was like it would be okay because you're at that age and this is a normal it's a apparently a normal thing in france to to have like an unspoken affair and again the five to seven premise was that it was okay during this time but only this time and and as long as you weren't doing it outside of this time it's not cheating and it's okay um which again i have not done i have not interviewed a french person to know if this is actually culturally true but it's been referenced now in two films um, at least, so I, d- I do think there's some validity to it, but uh, the wife definitely didn't seem like she would have been okay with it, though, but um, when she asks him about it, but he's, like, he's so calm. That's what makes him so scary. He's exactly. so calm. He's totally... Uh... Even when, like... when he confronts Rex for the first time and Rex beats him up, which, by far, the worst punching you... I've ever seen in a movie... <laughs> me if i ever got in a fight what taylor was dying she's like look how he's swinging his arm i'm like yeah it's it's bad um but i mean it looked real to me you know everybody's not gonna go yeah yeah, okay it looks like someone who doesn't know how to fight trying to fight me yeah like i've never really been in a fight so i could just totally see me trying to get in whatever i could you know yeah um and obviously he is three years worth of rage um and other feelings uh, coming out all at once. So yeah, I, I'm not trying to criticize. It did feel, it felt more comedic than it probably should have um, in that moment. But at the same time, it was cathartic because you 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 knew what this guy was going through. So like, you're kind of like, yeah, man, freaking let him have it. I just don't know. I I don't know. But then I'm not in that situation. I can't imagine wanting that well, I think I talked about when I, I think I talked about the farewell on the last episode because I think that was in the time frame that I'd seen it and I said that like it's such a perfect movie there's nothing wrong with it yet I didn't have like this attachment or excitement about it I wasn't floored like it didn't feel like I got off a roller coaster or anything and I, I don't think the movie's trying to do that but there was that's what's keeping me from like loving the farewell and making it like a top movie for me this movie floored me because it it took me places that i never thought i would uh experience like the the mindset of like i I can't think of a movie where you watch the criminal plan the crime like this one and it's so it's almost done as though he's the protagonist like he's planning on how to like rob a like you've seen them do that with like bank robberies and stuff but like this horrifying crime this this kidnapping this abduction and when you find the motivation that it's so twisted that it's not like he's he's some pervert you know who can't help himself he's actively made this choice to do but this I, horrible thing i don't feel like that is true that's what he's telling us in the movie sure. but he's so unattached and so emotionless that i just I'm having a hard time believing that, even though that's what he is straight out telling us. I mean, I I definitely think he's an unreliable narrator. Um, He's not a character we should trust. Nothing that he's... And he 
he essentially lies to Rex. I mean, he doesn't tell Rex he'll be okay, but at the same time, he's definitely not giving him the whole truth either. He's not telling him, like, outright, well, I'm going to kill you, so come on. Um, because Rex would never have gotten in the car at first, at least I don't think. Um, but at the same time, the curiosity that is there, like, how do you not... You've been chasing this for three years. How do you not go with him? Like, especially... I mean, there's never police in this movie. Like, I don't think you ever see him, like... Even when they get pulled over, like, the police are in the dark. So, I, I don't know... We never see Rex really, like, reporting this to the police. Like, it it feels like he could well, have had he, the police more involved than he gets them involved. That's what I thought. But he has had, like, press releases and stuff. So yeah. I feel like he must have had the police involved mm, at mm-hmm. some point. But, um... And they probably shrugged him off. And, you know, everyone kind of seems to be shrugging him off. Um, yeah, like... But oh, man, man, when they finally get to the abduction scene and we see like him failing with like at this gas, well, first he's trying to pick people up at that are going to the pharmacy, which I don't know what he was thinking because none of like if anyone walked up to me, I don't know, like hey, get into my car, I'd be like, dude, what the hell, like back up. Um, but then when he runs into the girl that he it was like the daughter's coach or whatever, and she like calls him out and gives him a tip of where to go to abduct people where he won't be noticed. I'm like, hold up, what just happened? Is this a normal thing? Does this happen? <laughs> like, so that's where he ends up at the gas station because of that suggestion. He then fails miserably, miserably, miserably. Uh, no one trusts him. He realizes he's too strong, and that's where the cast idea comes in. Um, the part where he uh, he's asking people for the trailer, and the husband shows up and is like, ready to beat the <laughs> crap that. out of him was so great. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I was, like, doing a little bit of reading, and that is one of the ways that uh, Ted Bundy got some of his victims. He would act like, I think he pretended to wear a cast or something, and he needed help um, putting a trailer or a boat or something, supposedly, on the back of his car. Interesting. Um, Ted Bundy was in the 70s, right? Uh, 80s, I believe. Well, I was, man, really, I I was wondering if he, if, like, the real-life Ted Bundy cases inspired uh this movie which i i believe i was told this is based on a book Um, oh i'm lying to you it was um during the 70s and possibly earlier yeah more than a decade of denials no i did see Uh, i saw shockingly evil incredibly wicked and vile or whatever wasn't so what's his name (laughs) the disney star zach efron yeah i think that he did a fantastic job Mm mm-hmm with his portrayal even just his body language oh my gosh well in the mm. credits they show like the side-by-sides of the original like news footage of ted bundy and stuff and yeah um efron nails the performance and it, that movie's creepy and it, it definitely i i feel like if not directly inspiring this character this character definitely has something in common with that type of serial killer um even though apparently this guy's not a serial killer he's just but... a two-time killer uh but i don't think he's gonna stop like i just have a hard time he definitely has a god complex there's no question about that he 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 thinks he is untouchable um and i mean of course thank goodness this is fiction uh but yeah it's i don't know i i found this film unbelievably compelling um one of the most horrifying villains I've ever seen yeah. in the movie. Uh, because he's so detached and he's so normal. 
Like, he's too normal. And it it's could be so anyone scary. you run into or bump elbows with any day. And that's like, the beauty of it, because he, he's sending him postcards to tell him to meet him at this cafe, and apparently he's been doing that for a while. And, like, he's been, he's been there multiple times, but he just blends in. Nobody notices that he's there. Um, yeah, just intense such a oh my god there's so many things um when when he's when we finally see him getting ready to abduct her and she's getting the uh the stuff out of the vending machine the camera's positioned really uniquely where we're we're seeing him in the foreground but he's slightly out of focus and um his head's cut off even because we're really focused on her but her back is to us so we're just watching from his point of view her doing this and at this point he'd given up he is like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. And she makes it easy because of the keychain. She wants to buy Rex a keychain. He says, I got more in the car. Tells her to come on. And then, hey, get in the car. And the only reason she gets in the car is because he has a picture of his family on the dashboard. And she's like, oh, I can trust What's him. He's a family man. And that's exactly it. That's his whole camouflage is this persona that he's built that he's this good you know, family man but he's actually a horrifying serial killer or at least one in training and it I just think that it I don't know like that he's a parent oh, of two man. girls and that he's trying to do this to women and that they like, seem to love him like they they are so like daddy 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 and um they, they seem like a really genuinely happy family like the birthday scene is awkward but like loving and endearing like his family's got all got him gifts and then they got him this memory book and i love that uh the memory book is what inspires <laughs> the cast um oh and that whole idea that um that idea that if you just if everything's predestined then what's stopping me from doing this you know like it's it's such an interesting concept of destiny and fate um ultimately it is it is again there's that parallel like did Rex really have a choice to go or not? Like, if it's predestined, he was going anyways. He was and going with her to dream. Yeah. Um, so there is that element. I mean, th this film, I, I, I just, I want to rewatch it. I, I love feeling this way about a movie that something surprises me so much and sh and hits so many notes and so many beats so well, and it's executed just so perfectly even the score feels more 70s to me than 80s um and again that might be the the foreign like lag if you will between the cultures um but i i really like the score i think the score works to really set the tone and add to the film in a lot of ways um yeah i i was i also i like that not everything is subtitled there's some stuff that's said between like saskia and rex in the car that we don't get subtitles for and you're just supposed to, you take that it, it's you know, you get the gist of what's going on. You understand their tone because they're very playful at first before the car breaks down. Well, it doesn't break down before the car runs out of gas because he's a jackal. By the way, um, my wife and I are flipped in that. I will. I am that. I always look at everyone's gas gauge, and if it's below half a tank, I give people crap. I'm like, why don't you get gas? And everyone's always like, I have plenty of gas. I'm like, but you can have more. Like, why don't you go ahead and fill it up? Like, there's no reason to be driving around with this low of gas. I usually don't let my car get below half a tank, but I barely drive, so sometimes I'll let it get to, like, a third or a fourth, but everything's really close to me. But mm -hmm. I've never ran out of gas, ever. No, How either. do you even do that? Yeah, and especially, 
you don't know where you are, so you have no frame of reference of how close the next gas station exactly. is. Exactly. Especially in 1988 when there's no GPS, so you can't look it up. Like, you have to... Yeah. Oh, I hope there's another one. Um, so, yeah, I, I... That... But that whole sequence, my daughter started laughing. She's like, it's like you and mom except reverse. I'm like, yep, that, I was thinking that too. <laughs> like, it's me going, <laughs> we need to get gas. And her going, we're fine. And... Um, <laughs> It, it really drives her crazy because she always wants me to drive so like I'll get in her car and as I start it I'm just like oh you need gas and she's like no I don't it's like um, she already has the answer locked up and ready because <laughs> she knows it's going to come out of my mouth it's going to give me hope for this yeah. oh um, no but yeah I I love The Vanishing from 1988 I could probably talk about it for another 20 minutes I, I'm getting a little tired though because it's midnight here and I've been up since 540, 520. I've been up since 520. Gross. And uh, I am, I'm ready to go to bed. So I do want to wrap this up. Um, I love this movie. I think it's obvious I'm going must-see. Uh, Corey? You know, I like it more now that we talked about it. I don't know if I could watch this again anytime soon. And if I did, I would have to, like, stop where he drugs him because, seriously, my chest. Mm. Um but yeah. I do think that it's terrifying, and it is kind of hard to scare me. I'm going to go with not quite Golden Pony Boy. Yeah, and when, with my must-see, the caveat that it's not going to work for everybody, and some people might be too terrified of this movie. Um, again, because it is so real-feeling. Like, it doesn't feel like a, a, a nightmare. It feel, I mean, it feels like a nightmare, but it feels like a real-life nightmare that could could play out and that's to, to me a lot of times those are the scariest movies because they do I, have that realism attached to it I um, yes I want to say one more thing because sure. I was going to mention it earlier and then we started talking about something else yeah we jumped around but, a lot so the part where he does get pulled over by the police and he's not wearing a seatbelt and we find out that it's because he's claustrophobic and he oh, has a man. medical condition yeah. and then that's what he chooses to do to them that's so that's a, such a good point that is like my biggest fear so i'm going to use it against people like yeah oh cruel. it's so so cruel um oh man burying someone alive and it's unnecessary because he could have just poisoned him he got him to drink the drink he could have killed him in so yeah. many ways dude um, and it like killed me when he offered him food and i think that rex ate it i would not have ever I wouldn't. Yeah. Well, when they that same scene when he says the food, he like looks in the back seat and you see like it lingers on the uh, the what is it the thermos? The thermos, yeah. And it's like I'm like that's that's not good. Um, and sure enough, it wasn't good. Uh, yeah, just oh man, it's such a masterpiece. There's so many it's little very things masterful. That they, yeah, yeah, they set up and pay off so well in this movie. It, it I, I just I don't know why I haven't heard more people talk about this movie. I haven't I, I didn't have time to like do any like digging for like articles or reviews either. So I, I'm gonna end up doing that because I want to see like how has this movie been like completely off my radar? Like it hasn't been on any list that I've looked at. I, I've never heard of it until you brought it up. Even when, I think my when I was looking at the list, I'm like, what is this? I've never even heard of this movie. Um, and I'm so glad that you picked it because I, for me now, it's it's one I'm going to be evangelizing and telling everyone they have to watch, um, unless again you just can't deal with the the subject matter. But if it's if you're into thrillers, if you're in suspense, if you're a fan of Hitchcock, um, obviously you've already listened to this episode. If you're hearing me say it right now, but I will be saying things like this to other people who haven't heard this episode, um, encouraging them to give this movie a try again. It is on Criterion Blu-ray and DVD, I believe for sure Blu-ray. It's on the Criterion channel. If, if you subscribe to that, you can watch it for free there. 
and of course it is available on at least Amazon to rent digitally um, or buy so there are options for you uh, I highly recommend it Corey recommends it highly maybe not as high as I am but not that sounded wrong I'm not high I'm tired and ready to go to bed <laughs> um, that said uh, on social media you can find us I'm at Burke Reviews Corey at Corey R Star 2 R's on the end um, you can read my reviews at BurkeReviews.com uh, Corey writes up some stuff every once in a while you can check those out uh, recently dropped what was coming and going on Netflix for August soon we will have what's coming and going for September um, I'm telling you it's going to be a lot of stuff leaving soon as Disney Plus gets ready to enter into the marketplace um, did you hear the new thing that for 13 bucks you get Hulu and Disney Plus yeah and something else ESPN Plus but who, we don't care about oh, sports okay yeah, no, um, we don't, but so, I just was like, oh, three, okay. Three, yeah, if you do care about sports, so what a package for $13, because Netflix is 14 right now. Um, yeah. And again, just Disney Plus at 13 would be a pretty good deal, because all the Disney movies, all Marvel movies, all Pixar movies, all Lucasfilm like, movies. Can you imagine, like, because uh, growing up, I didn't get to go to the theaters a lot, because it was expensive, and there were too many of us. And think of how many Disney movies are locked in the vault that it's oh, hard to get. Sh- like, it's suddenly going to be available, or if it's not yet, it will be. Um, and not to mention their original content. We're getting a new Star Wars TV series. We're going to be getting uh, four, I think, new Marvel series, um, all featuring actual, like, the real the characters from the movies, not just new characters. Like, Loki's getting his own show, Um, Falcon and and Bucky are getting a show, Wanda and Vision are getting a show, and I think there's one more, but I have... Oh, oh, the uh, What If series, um, which is so cool. Uh, If you are a fan of the Marvel Comics, the What If series was a a series of books where they hypothesized, what if this happened instead, so it was like an alternate universe um, for a one-off, and that's how they're going to do the show, is going to be like an anthology style, where each episode will all be tied together through The Watcher. Which, I can't think of now who is voicing the Watcher, but it's somebody great. They announced it at Comic-Con. I can't think who it is. but Sorry to deviate, but yeah, that's happening. Um, check out BurkeReviews.com. Check all those things out. Uh, Corey, it sounded like you wanted to add something. I want to give you that opportunity. Oh, it, oh, I was just finishing that thought. Like That's such a good deal for families who mm-hmm. yeah, for maybe sure. can't get to the theaters yep. very often. I, I am... I am gonna have to drop one of my streaming services to add it but i i just can't imagine not getting it there's too many things that i love that'll be included with that and i i do hate supporting disney because they are such a big corporation and they don't always push for like new independent art projects with film and that bugs me but i like a lot of the movies and i like being able to watch them so i i can't imagine not having it so and it's um, cheaper than buying one of the movies. It is a lot cheap. Well, I guess not in the long run, but if you, you know, it is by month, um, depending on how long you stay subscribed. I, like, I can't imagine how much money I've given Netflix over the years, because I've been a subscriber pretty much from day one of the streaming service. So um, that said, thanks again, listeners. If you like what we're doing, please rate and review the podcast. It helps us get new listeners. And remember, until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts covering the entire movie verse as something for everyone. 
so come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers. <laughs>